Hello everyone and welcome to episode 500 million trillion and 45.2 of the Dance Speak podcast. But actually episode 132 with Marissa T. Schaefer. Marissa is the owner of Marissa T. Schaefer Physical Therapy PC in New York City. She's a licensed physical therapist and NSCA certified strength and conditioning specialist. So basically she's just too legit too legit to quit, too legit. She's worked with dancers from Broadway to ballet, serving such companies as Alvin Ailey, American Dance Theater, Jose Limon Dance Company, Doug Verone, and many, many more. She's written and contributed to dance articles in Dance Magazine, Dance Teacher Magazine, and Dance Studio Life. Now, if you know anything about me, You probably know that I geek out about cross-training. I myself am a certified personal trainer, and I am all about the inner workings of thriving and succeeding as a dancer, anyone dance-adjacent, choreographer, teacher, all of the above. I mean, this is why I have a podcast. Come on. So this episode really speaks to it, and we go into, of course, like we talk about, you know, with being at home so much, what are some more common injuries right now How do you properly transition back into moving if you've been sedentary, not moving? Marissa's journey from being a dancer, I mean, she went to conservatory, like true high-level dancer to becoming a trainer uh, at the same time as dancing and then transitioning into physical therapy. So there's a lot of dancers that I've spoken to who have an interest in other dance careers and fields or they would know they want to transition. So I asked her, you know, why, how was it? How's it been going? She gives us tips around training yourself back into dance right now. I think I did just say that. And we speak about her own programming that she's created with some of her colleagues, which I'm super geeked about because it opens dancers up to virtually training yourself for having a dope 2021. Or if you listen to this somewhere in the future, you know, uh, yeah. Oh man, okay, I trailed off, messed it up, but won't re-record. All right, so shout out to Marissa's program, The Dance Ready Project. Be sure to check them out on Instagram and go to their website. It's even just like a fun thing to look through. And then as a Dance Speak listener, you get 5% off programs for the Dance Ready Project. That's 5%. Just put in Dance Speak when checking out. If you don't know how to spell this podcast, you know, just look at your app right now and, and you got it. You got it. I believe in you. I also wanted to give a shout out to Doctors for Dancers. They're not sponsoring this. I just like really want to give them a shout out. I've been hosting their Zoom webinars. They've been giving free webinars, basically, not basically, I'm pretty sure every month um, for months and months, topics such as stopping the hip pop, the pop that a lot of dancers have in their hip, uh, recently uh, education on sexual abuse, which is so important, hello. Um, We had at the top of COVID, two different webinars where we had a panel of doctors speaking about COVID, COVID safety, and a mental health specialist. And they have all these things up on their YouTube channel. They'll also be coming out with new webinars that are free on Zoom in this new year. So check out for that. And yours truly hosts it if you want to see me live and in action from my sofa. Okay. Two things that I wanted to clear up and clean up before the episode. First of all, you'll hear Marissa mention 
DOMS. DOMS stands for Delayed Onset Muscle Soreness. So this is the soreness that you get delayed after exercising or dance class. So you know how you'll take dance class, like be full out, or in this case, dancing in your living room full out, you feel fine, and then like five hours later, maybe you start feeling something, and then the next day you're like, damn, oh, I feel it in my whole being. Well, that's what DOMS is. And I made a really embarrassing error. Really embarrassing error, are you ready? I mentioned Masazumi Chaya from Alvin Ailey and blinked on the name and was incorrect on the title that he wears. So my apologies, Masazumi, all of everyone ever. This man has done so many incredible things in dance. I highly recommend go to Ailey or just Google his name. He has a fascinating and inspiring track. In fact, I think I need to interview him if ever he will. So anywho, the hat that he wore until 2019 when he retired was Associate Artistic Director of the Alvin Ailey Dance Theater. He started off as a dancer and then his trajectory led him there. That is huge. Galit, shame, shame. Although shame is an unhealthy emotion to experience, but like, you know, pull it together, let's pull up. You spell his name M-A-S-A-Z-U-M-I, and then Chaya, C-H-A-Y-A. Oh my gosh, his biography is just amazing. I'm looking at it at Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. So everyone, thank you for listening. We'd love to hear something that you learned, a takeaway from this episode. Please follow us on Instagram at Dance Speak Podcast. We love and appreciate when you share, tag us in your post, share with a friend, with a dance studio, with a family member. And then my own Instagram is at gogalit, G-O-G-A-L-I-T. Without any further ado, enjoy this episode. Also, rate and review us on iTunes. Okay, and I'm done. Let's go. Hey guys, my name is Galit Friedlander. I've worn many hats in the dance world over the last 15 plus years and have created Dance Speak as a platform for people in the dance industry to share their stories and blueprints for success. So listen up and get ready to be inspired, learn something new, and get personal with the people behind the movements you love. As an icebreaker, I'm really excited to have you here because I'm actually a little bit nervous, but like in a good way, but I am. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I still, I still get that way with, um, interviews. Maybe it's like different from performing, but it's, um, it's a good type of nerves, but I, I sometimes like to tell on myself, which I'm not supposed to do, but you know, it's my life. Okay. People are like, stop telling on yourself. And I interpret it as like, oh, do that more because that feels authentic. Sure. Game on. Uh-huh. But um, what's something that most people don't know about you or that people would be surprised to know? Um, actually, I this is perfect because I literally said this to a patient this morning and they're like, what? I've known you for how long? And I have no idea about this. I was in an acapella group at, in high school and I sang a wreath for Frank, Franklin to get in. The end. I'm not about to sing it right now, though. That's for sure. But I did sing in an acapella group and it was really fun. That is so awesome. And what are the different hats that you wear currently in your life? I will say new mom first and foremost, because you might hear my child scream. I'm going to try to like 
you know, we're trying to keep her like chill. She's in the back room. Um, what other hats do I wear? I am a licensed physical therapist, work in New York City. I am also a certified strength and conditioning specialist, small business owner, entrepreneur type of deal. I'm also a podcast co-host. And frankly, I do get nervous also when I am interviewing people. So um, I totally get it. Yeah, I think those are the the most of the hats that I wear. Perfect. And can you shout out your podcast real quick name and where people can find it? Yeah, um, it's called Dance Well Podcast. I co-host it with the fabulous Ellie Kushner, um, who lives in New York City also. Uh, and you can find it at www.dancewell.com. And Dancewell. so how do you... How do you balance it all? Hmm. <laughs> um, well, we should probably get my husband on here to ask. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's tough and it's not without its mistakes, you know, especially now that I have a, a baby, there's many things to juggle. Pardon me. That was www.dancefulpodcast.com. My apologies. Um, how do I balance it? I mean, I have to be pretty fastidious with my calendar. You know, I know that, uh, you know, this chunk of time on Monday and Friday is dedicated to this place. And this chunk of time in the mornings on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays is the other place and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I, um, I sometimes try to schedule in time for just admin for me. Um, and which is super important because otherwise, oh my goodness, I could go all day, right. Sitting at the computer to try to get things done and push other things out and that kind of stuff. But I've also, I've also tried really hard to, especially during the pandemic, shut off more on the weekends. Uh, and not do much. And I can't say I'm always super good at that, but I, I do try to make a concerted effort not to, um, you know, check my email or text patients or things like this. Um, if, you know, we've decided to share our phone numbers, et cetera, uh, to give myself and my family a chance to reboot. And then also Monday, if I haven't done anything on by over the weekend, by Monday, I feel so much better and ready to like jump into all the stuff I need to do for work. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And and do you have any type of coaching in your life or it sounds like I'm about to sell you on coaching, but like any, yeah, any, what prepared you with that framework or do you have any coaches or mentorship in that direction? Um, I mean, I would say my mom, <laughs> um, I, I was, as a kid, I was always doing, you know, 1 million and a half different things. Um, so I've always kind of grown up with a busy lifestyle, um, and learning how to fit things in. Uh, so I, I would say last fall, I had a really awesome session with a life coach, Kyle Post, who is also in New York City. He has been on Broadway for a million years. Um, I got to see him in Kinky Boots. He was one of the angels. He was incredible. Um, but he and I worked on saying no because my schedule was getting a little bit too much to, to handle, which was awesome. We did like this incredible you know, self-exploration on like how to say know to certain things in my life so that I just am not super overwhelmed. Um, and I kind of cleaned up shop for a little bit and felt like things were like way more manageable for me. The life since I was born and then a little help with, from friends and that I love stuff. that. And I have, so then I wanted to ask for your no advice real quick. Yeah. So I'm in LA and uh-huh. I was just invited like two of my favorite people to take dance class from for an outdoors dance class. And I am in straight up, I know people are like, don't live in fear. I'm in paranoia mode. We have over 25,000 cases and I just prefer to keep my butt at home. And dancers love you. But whenever I've seen dancers outdoor space during this time, they're not spaced. Um, I don't don't trust it. And I'm like, I don't want to put a bad taste in the mouth of this teacher that invited me to take class. But like, I feel like I'm a no. 
What's a good way to convey that? Oh, great question. I mean, well, it's about you. It's not about them. True. Right. I frame it in a, you know, thank you so much. It was such an honor to be asked to, you know, attend this class, but, and then fill in your own reason for not, for not wanting to be there. And I look forward to joining you post COVID. Yeah. Or virtually or something like that. Thank you. Yeah. I'm like, my mom's always like you over share, like nobody needs to know all the details of the whys and stuff. And I'm like, sure. well, yeah, I know. I think your mom has a point. I think it can be pretty succinct and you don't need to, you again, you don't need to share and, and let them into everything, which is okay. But you can also let them know that you, you, you don't feel comfortable given COVID or you can't because of your schedule and thanks so much to you next time. I think um, one thing that I worked on a lot with Kyle last fall that was super illuminating for me was saying like when I've heard people who I really respect say no, even if it's not necessarily done in the most tactful ways, I'm like, Oh, look at that boundaries, like respect, you know, I'm like, well, why can't that be me? That could totally be me. You know, I could be busy. And if you're busy, then um, great. Like someone else wants you during that time. That's true. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. And so you started, we, we spoke pre-interview, you started off in dance. So dance life, quick snapshot. What was it looking like at the apex of your dance life? And then how did you discern to journey into the world of fitness and then physical therapy? Sure. Uh, my apex like happened <laughs> really early. Um, I, I had an injury back in college, which um, kind of reared its head every once in a while. So when I graduated, I moved into New York and was choreographing and working with a bunch of small companies. And my friends and I also had an artistic collaborative, as you can see, my schedule. And so this is ballet, modern, contemporary. We have a lot of listeners who are hip hop and stuff. So if you could. Sure. Yes. Good point. Um, I always grew up in like classical modern type of thing. So I was, I was doing some kind of downtown, like crunchy ground, downtown dance and a little bit more concert modern type stuff. And I was working with small companies like that in the city and then also doing my own work. Before I graduated college, I studied abroad in Amsterdam in a dance school. I studied in Amsterdam, but really? not dance. Yeah, I studied abroad in Amsterdam. I went yeah. to, the- yeah, oh my God. And I was thinking about Amsterdam yesterday. So weird. No way. Where, where did you go? I'm going to butcher. It was like the Universidad, like the universe. It was literally University of Amsterdam in Dutch. And I did um four months there. And oh. I was very, I was not like necessarily clinically, but I was definitely in a depressed time in my life. And I remember feeling like I, I always felt like I was supposed to be somewhere else. So I was there kind of in a low and then I ate a lot of cheese and I, <laughs> my God, we, we had such parallel experiences. Wait, really? Yeah. Cause I was also quite sad and I, oh, I had a lot wow. of beer and pastries. That was before I knew I was celiac. Um, oh, but snap. Yeah. It, was, it was rough, but I mean, it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. I also, my bicycle was broken and I didn't realize that. So we, so I was struggling as people are just like enjoying their bike rides and socializing. And yeah. I got super sick that first week that I was there. Mm. So while everyone was meeting each other and getting acquainted with the city, I was in bed. But I remember connecting with the dance community there. It was like the underground dance community and yeah. finding a lot of joy there. And I had a weekly Horton class I would take. And then... um. I'm going to say like, I like fell in love with someone who had a girlfriend and didn't share that with me. So that didn't work out. But I remember this is what I was left with just to make this about me in the middle of your interview. 
No problem. I, I, I realize, you know, everything that I, I so enjoy and appreciate about him, I feel like he's a reflection of Amsterdam. And so he's taught me to love Amsterdam. And I love Amsterdam so much. I visited last year and was just in heaven. Nice. Nice. I, I actually would really like to go back. I haven't been back since then. But while I was there, I was in, I'm also going to butcher this. I was in the Hochschule voor de Kunsten, um, which I believe was the high school for the arts or something. Anyway, I um, had an American teacher and he tasked us with doing a little project about dance in our countries, those of us who are studying abroad. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to tell people what dancers in the United States work. I mean, make, sorry, for a living, like dollar signs. Um, and I remember at the time um, I, I Facebook messaged Michael Novak, who's now artistic director of Taylor, because we had done the Taylor intensive together and a couple other people who now I don't remember. And I was like, hey, what do dancers make? Because I didn't know at that time. And I was devastated by what I found out. Do you um, remember? About- I feel like Michael had said something to me and I, about like, if you're doing, and I, about like, if you're doing a downtown gig, like you might get 150 bucks for the gig or something like that. And I was like, what, what? Um, So at that point, I remember I came home and during that spring semester, I reached out to people and I was like, "Um, hey, so does anyone, like mentors of mine, does anyone know of any kind of job that I can do or have where I could use my brain, not be sitting at a desk and also do it simultaneously with my dancing. And um, I remember one woman was like, you could do, you could be either a cater waiter or a personal trainer. And I was like, hmm, I'll choose personal trainer. So that summer I did like um, like an eight week course in New York while I was dancing and was like, okay, cool. I will set myself up to be personal trainer, you know, post-grad. So I was personal trainer post-grad while I was doing all the dance stuff that I mentioned, apexing my little career moment. And I was demonstrating, I was like a year out and I was demonstrating for a class at Steps on Broadway, um, Kevin Wynn's class. And I did some move and that was I mean, I can still remember like the click I heard in my back. Um, that was it. Like I, I took myself too far and I ended up not going into details of my injury just for time's sake. I ended up injuring myself one too many times in the same area without doing anything adjunct to help. Um, so I, I tried some physical therapy and other things and then, but ended up getting surgery. But while I was kind of in that transition of like, I don't, I can't dance in the same way that I wanted to dance before based on what kind of surgery I was having and how my body would move afterwards and stuff like that. I was like, I am realizing that as a personal trainer, I could give dancers so much. Um, But like, I'm thirsty for more. So at that point I applied to go back to school to finish my prerequisites because turns out when you go to a dance conservatory, you don't get the prerequisites you need for grad school <laughs> unless it's for dance. Um, so I went back and I essentially did my degree over again while I was still training and then started doing workshops for dancers and stuff like that and getting more into cross training for dancers. And then I went to school and here I am. So outside of the prereqs, what was the track like for physical to become a physical therapist? And are there different titles for physical therapists? Yeah. What was the track like? Um, I mean, so before you apply to school, I had to do volunteer hours at different clinics to just kind of see how different different settings worked. Um, so while while they're not necessarily like different, what did you say, titles? 
Yeah. So um, is it always a doctor physical therapy or? Uh, understood. Okay. So the profession started out as, I want to say like an undergraduate degree, and then it moved to a master's. And then there's um, the American Physical Therapy Association's Vision 2020, which it's 2020. Um, so now anyone who graduates from a postgraduate program in physical therapy graduates with a doctorate. Everyone gets a doctorate in physical therapy nowadays. And then you can also go and get a, a PhD or a DSI or other things additionally that kind of open the door for uh, bigger leadership positions or academic roles and stuff like that. So doing the prereqs, how long did that take? And then I just want to give people an idea of the breadth of it. And then yeah. how many years were you in school specifically for physical therapy? Sure. Um, so I was in, I did prereqs for two and a half years. Um, I ramped up though, because I hadn't been in a rigorous academic setting for a really long time. And I was kind of scared. <laughs> so I started with one class and then I built up. So by the end I was doing, I think four classes a semester, like regular yeah. college. Um, and then I took a summer off and I was in school for PT for three years. Wow. My doctorate. And my friends who are doing this, it seems very rigorous. How did you push through? Or do you just have like the brain for science and it was magically easy? <laughs> um, I, I mean, I enjoy science. Um, I wouldn't necessarily sign myself up for the same thing again, <laughs> but um I, I enjoy science. I, I mean, being a dancer and having like just having a natural propensity for the sciences and movement, et cetera. And then also having the personal training thing. Like there were a lot of things that came pretty easily to me. And I was like, sometimes I remember telling my husband, like when I was learning it, I was like, you know, like, I feel like I've always learned this, but now it's more clear, which I'm sure I was just, I'm sorry, always known this, but now it's more clear, which is that, is that super true? I'm not sure. But I, a lot of the stuff felt very familiar to me. Um, so it was easier to integrate. That's awesome. And then one more question about this for dancers who are considering being they're like, Oh, I want to be a personal trainer. I want to make some more money and da, 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 da. And then dancers who are considering being a physical therapist, what are some things you'd recommend that they think about first knowing what the journey can be like? Sure. Um, I'll take personal trainer first. I think one thing I didn't realize was how much time you have to put in the beginning to a build your clientele uh -huh. and be a good trainer. Cause there's a lot of people out there that just kind of throw everything at you at the, at their clients and see, to see what sticks, but like, there's so many people like that. <laughs> um, I think like it takes time and the ability to question yourself and be wrong, like to, to, to figure out how to be a really effective trainer, both in terms of the programs that you make for people and also how to deal with people interpersonally, because a lot of it is chatting. You have to chat between sets. Um, and, and also to you know, help your clients understand what is fact and what is fiction, right? Like, let's do this spot reducing exercise to make sure I get rid of my bat wings under my arms. I'm sorry, there's no such thing. Yeah, no and such also thing. you have to control many other factors and some of it might be hereditary and all this kind of stuff. So there, there's a lot of work that goes into it. And I think a lot of people see it as like easy cash, but just like anything, it takes a lot of work to be good to build your business. I think for physical therapy, um, just realize it's, it's a lot of work. I love the profession personally. And I think what's awesome about it amongst many other things is that you can go many places with it. You know, you can like decide you want to do dance BT and then figure out when you get there or after you've been in it for a couple of years that it's just really not your bag and go ahead and be a respiratory therapist or work with kids or work with, you know, people who've just had total hip replacements or something like this. 
Awesome. Thank you. I, I want to know what it's like to work with an ALE dancer. I always looked at, I don't remember not knowing who Alvin, Alvin Ailey was and who they were all just always like my parents knew. Oh, I know why. My building growing up, my first building that we lived in until I was six, I think he eventually did set or costumes, but he used to be, um, he's of Japanese descent. He just retired a year ago. Never mind. Okay. Yes. Yeah. He lived in our building till I was six. So my mom, I think, always just brought up Ellie. Okay, I went I went for that one. That's great job, Galit. But um <laughs> I they just always looked so healthy to me and like the perfect example of you can just see it how much dancers are athletes as, and artists. Okay. I, I don't even know I'm introing that strong, but they it's just it's everything. So what specifically do you do? with Ailey dancers in respect to, are you creating cross training regimens for them? Are you looking at them as a physical therapist, a mixture of both? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I provide Ailey, I provide PT services at Ailey with two of the most fabulous physical therapists, um, Dr. Shaw Bronner, who started the program like three decades ago and Dr. Shay Oshifatimi, um, who's been there for 20 years and is now interim director of PT. First of all, they set the stage for the most brilliant things to happen. So I feel very fortunate to be able to work with both of them. So what do I do? I, I mean, I, I started off working with uh, the students in the injury clinic. So um, the professional division specifically. So that's kids ages or not. They're not kids anymore. Pardon me. Students, dancers, ages 18 and older. Um, and they are studying either in the BFA program or the scholarship program or certificate and all that kind of stuff. And for them, what I did... Um, what did Sash do? Uh, it just looks different now because of COVID. Uh, I I ran, you know, injury clinic triage hours. So I would see them for short slots and we would either, I mean, a lot of the time we'd end up looking at technique. Um, if they had more acute injuries, we'd be talking about, you know, class modifications and ways to treat it. Um, we also have a great PT room. So we have weights and bands and cardio equipment and Pilates equipment and a trampoline and uh, jacuzzi and, you know, great things. So um, some of my work study students actually did Pilates. So they would like take some kid, some students and do Pilates work that was adjunct to the PT or uh, in my second year, I think it was, maybe it was my the second semester of my first year, I uh, had a cross training for men's class that I did after PT hours. Um, Anyway, so that's the students. What Dr. Shea and I have done this term, given COVID, is we have virtual PT hours and we also do weekly workshops for the students. Uh, so they get uh, workshops on like injury prevention type stuff. And we brought in a nutritionist and we brought in a social worker to talk to them about, you know, different things. And then I work with the first and second companies as well, which I started doing, I think halfway through my first year when they had their season at city center. Yeah. So originally it was just doing physical therapy uh, for them, which was exhilarating and very fun. Uh, it still is. I love it. Ellie is my the Ailey has my heart. And now, you know, as I've been there for longer, Dr. Shea and I have done workshops. We did workshops for them when we were on tour this past year, coordinating with Matthew Rushing. And we basically were like, okay, like they're doing this amazing piece called Busk, right? But, you know, a lot of people who are doing Busk 
are having you know issues with their hip. So here's what we're seeing pattern-wise. Let's give them a workshop with exercises to help mitigate those symptoms. And it, I mean, it worked pretty darn well. I mean, we didn't take any stats, so I can't really give you any like statistical like this was significant. But what we did see, you know, in terms of like looking at our notes and anecdotally, that people stopped coming in for the same issues, which was great. And then most recently, as the company came back this fall. We did five weeks of virtual training, cross training for them, and and also dance training before we started into rehearsals. So uh, Dr. Shea and I also made the, the PT side, the body weight conditioning program for that. So cool. And so for Ailey dancers, what kind of, I know this is like a big question, but just an idea what kind of cross training are usually giving them, especially because they already are using their body so much and have such rigorous schedules for dance, I imagine? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a good, that's a good question. Like never have, since I've been there when they're on season and in the thick of things, we've never really introduced weight, like heavy strength and weight training just because their load is so incredible already. Um, a lot of it, I mean, we have done that off season and, you know, when things aren't as nutty, um, what it, what it comes down to is a lot of neuromuscular repatterning. So for example, like, all right, if you are bringing your hip up to the side repetitively in one piece, but you don't have the coordination to use your deep hip flexors and instead use your superficial ones. Um, if you want to unpack that, we can, but whatever. Um, I like a lot of the, the cross training has to do with reprogramming, right? Stabilizing the low back and pelvis region, reprogramming how they're lifting their hips so that we're not getting into um, technical flaws that then produce discomfort. Um, now how we're doing that. I mean, there's, there's so many ways that you can approach it. I mean, for me, like I, I go with what I know, which is the therapeutic exercise and the kind of personal training background and being a dancer melded. Um, but we also have like fabulous people in the company who have a whole bunch of different ways of approaching things. So like gyrokinesis and gyrotonic instructors and uh, xenoromet floor bar instructors, and then people who've dabbled in Pilates and a bunch of other things too. Um, so it's really about finding, like I'm happy to give people all the tools that I have, but it's also about finding what works best for their bodies. And for some people, like what I give is not their bag, if that makes sense. Yeah, that I, I think question? that's really, that's a really, yeah, I think that's a really um, egoless way to come from even like as a trainer, I remember there was a certain point because people will ask for different things where I, I had someone who was mentoring me and I was like, well, this person wants powerlifting. And they're like, yeah, as a trainer, it doesn't mean that you specialize in everything ever. Then you refer them to the thing. Like, I don't, I don't do powerlifting. And I had a moment of, well, maybe I should do powerlifting so I can help people who want powerlifting, but I wanted to do the things that I do better. Right. No. And I think, I think that's super wise, like be really good at what you're good at and also know when like you can't provide what needs to be provided. Yeah. Um, because I, I, someone said this to me at some point and I say it to myself, you know, at least a couple times a week, it's like, you're not the person for everyone, mm -hmm. uh, but there's someone out there for that person. You just have to find them, yeah. you know, find them. And then are you always working with dancers that are from more of a ba balletic background? Although Ailey does use like West African and you have Limon and all that stuff. But do you normally treat dancers who are ballet modern or? Um, I've treated all kinds of people. You know, my private space, I tended to primarily see Broadway folks. Um, and obviously that takes on 
way different forms <laughs> uh, depending on what show it is. But I've also seen, I've seen tap dancers, obviously they end up on Broadway too. Classical Indian, you know, I, I've, I've, I've it's spanned the gamut. And I've seen, you know, super recreational folks. Like I love to give the example of, I think, uh, someone I saw early on who was in his fifties. And I think he was a lawyer or an accountant or something like that, but he like found ballet and he loved it, you know? And for a while, like I saw a couple of his friends too. I was like, this is great. Like, you know, getting the older population, not older, they're not older. They're older than me. Um, mature. mature. Thank you. Who enjoy ballet um, and want to just like perfect their technique. And I think, you know, technique is a lot of what I work on um, because it's a, uh, it's easy to try to force things to get the aesthetic that uh, classical forms of dance um, and others really require. So yeah, I I like to draw the example um, when I do cross training for dancers and stuff of how Olympic athletes or any type of athlete really they have a whole team of specialists around them. The end that I'm in, there's barely anyone, especially dancers that are going on tour, there's hardly ever anyone there for them. What do you feel would be like the dream team for a dancer? If dancers were treated like Olympic athletes or professional football players, what should their team comprise of? Like their health and wellness team? Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, I think everyone should have a sports psychologist or some kind of therapist, like mental health therapist. I think that gets overlooked way too much. You do not have to have a problem to see a mental health therapist, just things, you know, you want to improve in your life. I think having, you know, athletic or training or physical therapy or something like this um, is also super beneficial to help a triage folks if they become injured or B, you know, have their eye on repertoire repertoire or the show that's being, you know, done eight million shows a year <laughs> repetitively to say like, Hey, I foresee this being an issue or, Hey, this costume is too heavy for this person or, Hey, you know, the person who's jumping into this costume, like it doesn't fit. So this is going to be an issue, you know, all that kind of stuff to help shape an injury prevention program as well. Um, and then, I mean, if I'm being like super like honest, I think mm-hmm. Please. Uh, acupuncture would be awesome. <laughs> I think acupuncture and or massage. And then to have a, dietitian on hand, not necessarily traveling, because I think that can all be virtual, uh, would be great. Did I miss anyone? I'm sure I did. But I think like, you know, nowadays too, I think what I've noticed is that there are enough folks, if you're, if your company is large enough, that dabble in other forms of like cross training and stuff like that. Like I mentioned, like, you know, it's, it's not uncommon for a dancer to also be certified in Pilates or gyrokinesis or something like that. So to have folks in the company who can help provide other things for their castmates or their company members, um, I think that's great. And how does a dancer know when it's time to go to a physical therapist? Is it at the first ache? Is it at a repetitive ache? What, what do you recommend there? Yeah, well, I mean, so if you have the luxury of having a PT on hand, I just go if you have any kind of concern, right? It's better to be like, have someone looking at how you move. And um, I mean, for again, for like dancers, it's, it's really, a lot of it is how they move. <laughs> and then where their muscle imbalances lie and a whole bunch of other things. Um, better to nip it in the bud, even if you have a little concern. I mean, there, how many times uh, in a week, if I'm, you know, do, I'm working with dancers, how many times do I say like, it's actually okay. Fair amount, right? And I think that that has, that's, 
very powerful, right? For me to be able to just tell someone that they're going to be okay without me actually doing anything. Um, so I'd say if you have the luxury of having someone on staff, just go, right? Let's say you're balling on a budget. You may or yeah. may not have insurance. Love it. Okay. This happens a lot. Yeah. At least okay. with people I've talked to. Mm-hmm. Totally. Okay. So if you are on a budget and you don't have insurance and all this stuff. So what I would do is, so there's delayed onset muscle soreness, which is, um, I worked out real hard, right? I worked out real hard and my quads are so sore and I don't know if like strain something or I'm just, I just overdid it. Um, I would wait for like 24 hours if it goes away. Um, then I would, I would say, okay, it was probably just late onset muscle soreness. And maybe next time I won't go so hard if it continues after like 24 to 48, sorry, hours and, or you're changing the way you move to get around the issue, I'd go see somebody because like, again, as we say, it's easier to take care of the problem if we see you in the beginning than it is if you've been like trudging through for a long time. Um, And what I will say from experience is when you, when you try to look for a PT or a MD or somebody to help treat you and you, and it's, it's a specifically a dance person. So they treat a lot of dancers. If you can't afford their rate, I would never be afraid to tell them you can't afford it. And would they be able to work on a sliding scale instead of just ghosting? (laughs) I would say that. I mean, I I think there's zero harm in asking for that and just and standing up for what you want. If worst case scenario, they're like, sorry, I don't have a sliding scale. Here's someone else you might try. Um, I think that's a good thing. Any recommendations when looking for a physical therapist? Cause I've heard they're physical therapists that will like change a life. Right. And also I know you can't treat people usually out of state. So people might, you know, want to go to you and maybe like they can't get someone awesome that they know about, but then they're physical therapists who have heard stories where it's like, it, it was not the jam. So any recommendations on how to find your good match of a physical therapist? Um, Sorry, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm talking down anything. Not at all. I mean, I just said there were good trainers and they're not good trainers, right? I agree. that are quacks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Snake oil salesman. Um, Let's see. What would I say? I mean, it's it's hard, right? Because you can find a diamond in the rough. um, And what I mean by that is you can find a really good PT who's at one of what I call like these PT mills where they like put you on the stim and the heat and the ice and like spend 20 minutes with you and then send you off with somebody. Um, I would, oh my gosh, what a great question. And I I do struggle with this every time. Um, There are a lot of people who also say they work with dancers, but I might, you know, get into that a little bit and say like, what's your history working with dancers? And you, you don't have to be like, yes, I work with Ailey to be a good dance PT. There are a lot of people out there who are great. I would stalk their Instagram. Um, if they're doing things that look super flashy, um, I might be a little concerned or, um, or, but if they drop like really awesome knowledge bombs, like I would be like, Hey, that's, that's pretty great. I think, you know what, now that I'm saying that, I think Instagram is a good place to look because people do show their true colors, you know, and, you can learn a lot about a person that way. And I do feel like a lot of dance PTs who are at least of my generation um, have somewhat active social media profiles. Um, So what are some tips that you have for dancers who have been at home for a long time and they need to get dance ready? Okay, great question. Um, So a couple of things. 
I will put out my like flat, like go here, do this, da, 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 and then I'll give you like my tip tips. Number one, uh, dance well podcast, uh, Will Zinzer, who is an awesome athletic trainer, um, gave me a whole episode on preparing to go back to the studio. Um, so like 45 minute talk on this topic, go check that out. You can obviously also go to danceReadyproject.org um, and or sorry, danceready.org to check out the Dance Ready Project to see all the stuff that we offer. But um, real, like some little nuggets. Number one, start now, don't delay. And I would, if you have really done nothing, (laughs) what I would do is um, think about what you think you can do and maybe chop it in half to start to be be safe because the, um, the number of times where someone's gone ham and then regretted it the next day and had to either then rehab an injury or delay their training to get over their ridiculous doms is, uh, is real. Uh, So I would, Think about what you could do and maybe cut it in half. So for example, if you're like, I could totally do a full contemporary class right now, hold the phone, do the warm up, and then call in the next day. Are you are you still okay? Right. Then the next, if you're if you're good with the warm-up for two classes, then maybe add the warm-up in the center combo or center combos and start to slowly increase over time. University of Delaware has some great soreness rules where if you are super sore the next day and with a little bit of movement, it doesn't get better, then you're not ready to increase, right? I would also start to build up. So you're not just doing dance classes, but maybe you go take a vigorous walk or maybe you check out a free, cool cross training course that's being streamed online. Make sure it's a beginning level, especially if you haven't done it. It should be, you know, around a five out of 10 intensity in terms of, you know, what you're capable of doing and and follow along with that. So slow and steady wins the race. Start now, don't delay increase slowly with time. If you're super sore the next day and you can't get rid of it without pain, you're not ready to progress. That give you some nuggets? Yeah, that really helps. Thank you. Right now is things are physically distanced or at least for the most part, more often as the numbers go up and down with COVID. You were sharing with me before that there's a lot that you've been able to do through telehealth online. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about that. Yeah, I've worked with telehealth. I've worked like in all sorts of capacities. So like as a physical therapist where someone's like, I've had pain in my knees for a long time and I can't even plie Mm -hmm. to like, hey, like this kind of bothers me, but also like this part of my technique isn't really working for me and I want higher extensions and stuff like that. And that falls under my personal training hat. So like I can see a lot of people who are like all over the place. What was your question? What have I learned? What yeah, does it look like? No, I mean, like what can be done through telehealth? Because even no, I have yeah. an assumption if I were to start feeling eh at home, you know, as I dance through my living room, like I wouldn't even think to for the first time to see a physical therapist online. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I think like, especially if your issue is is dance related. Like I feel this when I start to tondu, or I feel this whenever I go on arabesque on the left side, there's a lot we can look at movement quality wise. Right. Um, and as I mentioned before, like with the company and le- looking at, you know, how they're bringing their leg up, like as long as you have good lighting and good connection, like there, there is a lot that like subtly that I can see and work with uh, in terms of getting you out of, conditions that may have brought you to pain in the first place. I can also get a gross assessment of your, your strength and conditioning levels by, you know, screening, taking you through certain tests and certain screens and looking at certain benchmarks and all that kind of stuff. And what we know regarding within dance literature and all that. Um, And then there's a, I mean, a lot I can tell from you chatting with me too. I mean, 
you know, part of being a good PT is to be able to really listen to people's stories and pull out the pieces um, that help you identify what's going on and help direct your examination as well. I like that. So moving over to the the programming hat, and I would think that there, I know that there's some people who listen to the podcast who give some type of fitness maybe fitness for dancers, all that stuff. And I feel like you have this ultimate tool bag because of your your varied background and the, the training and the physical therapy. So first of all, actually for dance, like I'm a personal trainer, I work a lot with dancers and I'm always looking to increase my knowledge. And what I've found so far is I get the sense that there's either programs that feel a little bit more rudimentary, like, oh, you dance and you wanna get into fitness. And I'm like, all due respect, I've been doing this for years, but then also there's this whole gambit, this whole world of pure fitness stuff for fitness folk. And sometimes I'm a bit more specialized. So I tend to go towards, I'm rambling towards the, okay, cool. Maybe I'll get another qualification, da, da, da. But I would love to know, do you have any recommendations for someone like me who wants to keep on upping the knowledge and just be as amazing as possible as a personal trainer who works with dancers and that you're not a beginner? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think so. Um, like a lot of thoughts going through my head. Yeah. Number one, I think something I was just jotting down last night in preparation for this, like in, in answering the question, like things I've learned while working at ALA. One is that the basics still really work. Like going back to the basics is actually a really great place to start um, in so much as like the basics are there for a reason, right? Whether it's learn teaching somebody how to squat or hip hinge deadlift or, you know, all that kind of stuff, or like even doing like marches or dead bugs on your back. Like those are all really fundamental things. And I think, you know, you'd be surprised by how many dancers can like kind of squat, but it actually looks really weird. Um, Right. So getting them to move through their ankles, getting them to move fully through their hips. Like, I think that's all super valuable and has like carryover, but then you can also get fancy and creative out and go outside the box, just depending on what their issue is when they, when they come in anyway. So that's there. Um, what I would say is there are a whole bunch of performing arts, special interest groups. I think there's one through NSCA. There's also one through like the, NATA, which is for athletic trainers and APTA, which is for personal trainers. But then there are also groups like uh, PAMA and IADAMS that have really, I mean, they have great conferences. um, And I think actually IADAMS was virtual this year. And there are a whole bunch of people on there who, well, not a ton of personal trainers. I mean, there are more than when I joined, uh, but personal trainers who work with dancers. And those people are also online. Um, I know present tense fitness is like super awesome. Uh, for example, uh, Amy Warner, who's in on, on the West coast is not a personal trainer. She's a PT, but she has awesome exercises. She posts. Um, so I think like going back to social media again, I think it's actually a really awesome tool. Like I've connected with so many people just by dropping them a DM being like, Hey, I saw this, like, let me pick your brain. What's this about? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I'll stop there. Yeah. There's so many places to go. So I said, so performing arts special interest groups from the NSCA, mm-hmm. IADAMS, PAMA, and then like s- find people on social media, find one person you like, and then just look at all the people they follow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I I feel like um, though I'm just hungry to learn more. And so I personally, for no reason besides like, I, I don't see myself going into like physical therapy, but I want to be 
the best always growing trainer that I possibly can be. And so now I'm looking for more so to feed my brain because usually dancers, when they come to me, I'm giving them a little bit more like functional fitness and going back to, do you know how to, you know, are you activating the glutes and, and, and that fun stuff. But I'm like in the, I want to just keep learning just totally. And I, I think too, like as a trainer, before I transitioned into physical therapy, I always made it a point to, I mean, obviously if my client was open to it, talking to the clients, physical therapists and medical doctors and stuff like that to be like, Hey, what do you see? And how can I support this? And here's what, you know, we have been doing. How would you, you know, how do you want me to rearrange this or not? You know? Um, And I, I definitely gained a lot of knowledge that way. And then asking them for some, like, is there a little bit of reading on this? Is there a little, you know, and going, going that way. It's great. I love that. Thank you. One thing I've really liked from like teaching, teaching as a personal trainer, teaching as a physical therapist, and then doing a variety of different workshops since COVID. I have taken some time to do a few like exercise videos. And then I I ended up getting this software called Ecamm. Thanks to Hope Boykin for telling me to get Ecamm. (laughs) It's been, it's super upped my game in terms of, you know, teaching um, because I can put my video like right next to my face um, when I'm teaching certain movements. So I don't have to step away and demonstrate. I can just be right there and I can stop the video and have the program like circle different things or, you know, put like words up on the screen. So it's like, I'm teaching in a more dynamic classroom. And then my eyes can always be on the, you know, zillions of different thumbnails. So I I think like doing a little investment in some software um, and shooting a few videos of things that, you know, you're going to teach and maybe have a voiceover over it. Um, with points you always make is again, really beneficial. So that was one thing I was going to say about that. But I think like, you know, one thing that we were chatting about yesterday, um, you asked me about what I've seen during COVID. Um, One thing that I am kind of noticing um, just from my own journey and like, you know, in the jobs that I have and then speaking to other folks is that everyone knows they have to continue to do work while they're not dancing or not training as hard. But and there's a ton of information out there and it's usually in theoretical knowledge or sound bites. Um, but it's really hard to like take that information and make it into a program that fits appropriately for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, um, what I would say, I mean, this is just kind of, sorry, leading into like a soft plug. <laughs> what, what I would say is like, you know, reach, reach out to people a, and like have them help you to figure out how to like create a program. Like if you, if you just got a call, you're like, I know that I have a, a little like 10 day gig in January and it's now December. Like how the hell do I transition from now until then? Um, ask your folks. And then also that, that ask your folks, ask people on social media who you respect. And I think, Additionally, um, there are like Shay, Dr. Shay Ojafatimi and Dr. Danelle Dixon and myself created a program to help solve that problem um, that we were seeing often called Dance Ready Project, which we recently launched. Um, and we have multiple programs within it. Do you mind if I just like... Yeah, I was going to ask you about it, but it's so natural yeah. for you to go into it. What Sweet. if I was like, no, let me ask. I'm just kidding. Um, well, you know, you could do that. Well, you that's could what that. I say because I don't want you to do all the heavy lifting. Yeah. Um, this is the reason why 
I was told about this program from Jennifer who runs Doctors for Dancers. And I was like, that sounds amazing. I want to talk to Marissa. And this is how we got connected in the first place. So please share, share, share. So, okay. So we, Dr. Danielle Dixon, Dr. Shea Ojo-Bitimi and myself created this program called the Dance Writing Project. And under that program, we have, right now, we have three different um, sub-programs, which will eventually become more. But right now, I think these are really appropriate for the dance community. So the first one is called the Dance Ready Screen. Um, And the Dance Ready Screen is a a version of what Dr. Shea and myself um, and Dr. D, Dr. Nell Dixon have done to screen dancers virtually throughout COVID. And it's an it's augmented from the screen that we do when COVID is not happening. And so that, that tool is really excellent at helping you pinpoint, okay, like I've been on the couch, um, but surprisingly, like some of my dance technique stuff is really good, but my stamina and my like hip stabilizers are just not doing it for me. Like here are the things, here are the things I need to work on in order to be dance ready to go back to the studio. So that's the dance ready screen. The second thing we have is Dance Ready Conditioning, which is a three-week conditioning course that uh, Dr. Shea and I are offering starting January 4th, going through January 22nd, three weeks. Um, You can sign up for one, two, or three weeks. And it is just cross-training with a little bit of dance training um, for dancers, the objective of which is to help people get ready to return to the studio. So over the course of the three weeks, we slowly increase the intensity um, and the duration of the work that you're doing. So it more so mirrors either, you know, company life or dance training life or just being back in the studio in general. Um, So we have like incredible faculty I'm really jazzed about. We have Clifton Brown teaching gyrokinesis, Renee Robinson teaching Xenoramet floor bar. We have Akua Noni Parker teaching ballet and Bradley Shelver teaching modern. And then Dr. Shea teaching anatomy and principles of injury prevention Um, and myself and Alexandria Johnson uh, designing and, and and implementing the body weight conditioning and the hit cardio portion of the program. Uh, and then we'll also have special guests. So it's like, it's kind of ridiculously exciting. I'm excited if I were to the end. Um, Um, What ages is this for? What levels and what dance uh, forms and techniques? So ages, we say 14 plus. It's 14 plus. You're 14 plus. I did not know (laughs) you look, so youthful, but so mature. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah. So 14 plus it, you know, the, all the instructors understand that this is open level, right? So you can be, again, this idea of going back to basics, right? You can be, again, that individual who are, who's in their fifties and has just discovered hip hop and loves it. And also has taken a couple ballet classes, like come join us. You could be, you know, training at SAB, come join us. You could be, I don't know, in some small school in Boise, Idaho, like come join us. Like what we say is that like, so long as you are serious about your craft, we're happy to have you join now. And you can, you can study any kind of dance style you want also excellent. The only thing I will say is that there are ballet classes and there is a modern class. So we, um, we operate under the assumption that you have taken classes in those genres. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. I just, I've always gotten excited about, again, like I've been more like in the hip hop world and I, you know, when I, when I dance around my, my house, I'm doing like house and I'm voguing it up and stuff, but I always appreciate pointing a toe And I always feel good when those muscles are activated and I can feel 
you know, my extension, I have a solid 43 degrees, but like about 30. So I feel you. (laughs) I love when I hear all these conversations, like through doctors for dancers, and they're talking about like, you know, your pay and all these hyper mobile dancers. And I'm like, I never experienced I'm at the other side of the spectrum. So anyway, my baseline is low, like I just it was never going to really go anywhere. And that's okay. That's fine. That's fine. You found something that works for you. And that's what's most important. It's there is there is one more program. I'll just say oh, super. Play. Yeah, that's it. It's an asynchronous program. So dance ready conditioning, it happens during, you know, a set period of time, and we all meet live. But dance bridge online is Dr. Donnell's uh, Dr. D's. And that's six weeks of asynchronous training. She has um 30 minute workouts, five days a week, and then some personalized check-ins to make sure everything's going well and helps you like change, change exercises if need be, et cetera. I love that. While people are at home, I'm going to kind of bring this full circle. First of all, are there any physical impacts that you've seen specifically from people being more sedentary or any common type of non-usage, almost injuries or ailments? Yeah. So I mean, there, there's such a variety of different things, right? It really depends on what you're going back to and what you have and have not done, even despite being sedentary. But um, what I have seen is like the low level stabilizing muscles are not doing their job as well as they should. Um, so that, again, that programming piece that we talked about in terms of like getting the deep hip flexors to go instead of the superficial ones, you know, it's it, but it's all over the place, right? Um, so there's a lot of like, technique re-ed in addition to giving exercises for increased conditioning and control. Um, what, I mean, what we did see when students went back at Ailey was, um, reactive tendinopathy. So like, you know, after day three or four, they're like, Oh my God, my Achilles hurts big time and I can't walk. Right. Or, um, activation of old injuries and old pains that they're like, this hasn't hurt in years. Like, but I was also doing like these exercises every day and dancing and then walking in New York city, like this level of activity that was like way up here. And then I did nothing or close to nothing. And then I came back, you know, so, um, yes, overuse a hundred percent. Um, and then again, like those low level control muscles and stability muscles are kind of off offline. What are the top recommended types of cardio that you would give to a dancer I get asked that like I have a friend she injured out of dance years ago running doesn't agree with her body she wants to know the best cardio for her uh great question well it's there are a million different answers you could swim you could bike it depends where your where your body's at (laughs) do you know what I mean It, it, it and what works best for you so yeah running might not be her thing maybe like the impact of running on whatever surface she chooses is not great, but, and I might say like, try biking, but if she has a hip impingement and leaning over is like also not doing it for her, then I might try some kind of like lower level hit thing, right? There's a lot of things you can do without jumping and skipping and hopping that will get your heart rate up. So I think non-impact hit exercises could also be great if you want to do that. Awesome. And what's something that you have been learning in this time is so much is changing. You know, we, we're all, I love that Instagram handle that was dancing alone together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're all dancing alone, but we're all in this together. And there, you know, I the one really nice thing about this pandemic for me is that there's been a lot more collaboration across state lines. And I mean, I think that's super wonderful. 
Um, so I, I hope that continues. Um, I'm also noticing on a completely different subject, like a lot of people are, uh, there's a lot that has been lost, right? Uh, especially people who were in ongoing shows that don't have that same steady income coming in or some kind of job stability. It's it's incredibly frightening. Um, and we don't know when, like in reality, we don't know when the theater is going to open again. They can say it will be fall 2021, but we don't know. And I, I really like, I mean, that, that's definitely um, coming between individuals who are upset and, de- and depressed, right? And uh, which I have noticed there's been an uptick of since the pandemic. I think most people can say that they are more upset <laughs> and frazzled. Reaching out to people, right? Making sure that you realize that you are not alone. Uh, there, if you have insurance or if you don't have insurance, like you can find yourself a mental health care practitioner um, who will suit your needs and help you to get through this time. There are also excellent resources. I just talked to uh, the senior career counselor at the Actors Fund uh, who deals with career management and was talking to me about um, finding employment even during COVID. That's not like a, I'm no longer a dancer. I must seek this employment, but employment that parallels the path that you're already on. I mean, just to summarize, I know I'm also tangent going on I a tangent. I love tangents. I love <laughs> them so much. That's where the gold uh, is. Okay. It's hard. It's, I mean, this is mentally really difficult and reaching out and finding the help that you need um, is, is super important and it's out there. You just have to look a little bit. I like it. A lot of the time for like dancers and choreographers, I ask them like, what would be a dream of yours for 10 years from now? Like we're meeting up, it's 10 years from now. And without, it does not have to be grounded in reality. It doesn't have to be super thought out. Just like from a heart gut place, what would be really exciting for you in 10 years from now, career-wise, life-wise, if we're meeting up and checking in? First of all, I would have a brownstone in my neighborhood in Brooklyn. That's never going to happen, but. Wait, no, no, no. I dream. Yes, yes. I be- I'm a believer. <laughs> Yesterday, the episode had so much. This is so woo woo, California. But about like manifestation and believe, you never know how it can show up for you. I'm just saying. I believe in the Brooklyn brownstone. Okay, great, great, great. Okay. I I'm crossing my, my fingers. Um, Brooklyn brownstone with outdoor space and like my own office. So that's like there. Um, what else? I mean, honestly, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change too much of what. I would, I am doing presently. Like I'm, I would be um, excited to have more of a, a leadership role in like some of the realms that I'm already in and to see, you know, dance ready, screw, uh, the dance ready project kind of blossom um, so that we can reach people across again, state lines and even, you know, into different countries. Uh, yeah. Different countries. We've got people from Europe coming to us already, you know, like I'm really jazzed about that. I, you know, education has always been at the heart of what I do. So being able to provide education and, you know, good resources to more people would make my heart sing. Um, but other than that, I don't know. I mean, I've, it's interesting. Like at some point I was like, I'm going to be here in five years. But like after a while I was like, I just love what I do and something will happen and I'll be in the right place. Like I never assumed I would be here and here I am, you know? So, um, Beyond that, I can't really tell you, but I'm really excited to see where I go. Sure. Yeah. And how can people follow you, get in touch with you? So you can look at my Instagram profile, which is Marissa T. Schaefer underscore DPT. You can follow Dance Ready Project. Um, I, I think we were talking yesterday about discounts. I just wanted to let people know that 
if you um, do dance ready screen and dance ready conditioning together or dance ready screen and dance bridge online together. We have bundle packages of 5% off. If you listen to this podcast and you type in dance speak, you get an additional 5% off. Um, so for the bundle. Yeah. Bundle. Oh no. Oh, just, just generally. Sorry. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, and then, so, so Instagram, so Instagram for dance ready project is at dance ready project. Um, you can check me out online if you want to read more about me, which no one ever does. I find it's funny. No one goes to my website, but it's Marissa T. Schaefer.com. And then, I mean, you all are welcome to email me too, um, which is Marissa T. Schaefer at gmail.com. I use the Marissa T. Schaefer a lot. There's a Marissa Schaefer out there. She's a chef. So I just oh. don't like to be, and she has, she has celiac disease too. Oh found this out definitely dm'd her have not heard back so if you're listening marissa schaefer get back to me i want to chase your pastries dance speak has we are at dance speak podcast but the dance speak handle was taken by someone with i think like zero followers and like oh. doesn't follow anyone and, like, doesn't it. care she yeah. doesn't care oh but like so, so and are you taking on also new patients Yep. Yeah. I'm taking on, um, telehealth patients for PT and for training, which is kind of like movement coaching, which is basically kind of like PT anyway. Um, so it's all virtual. So no matter where you are, you can sign up and hang out with me, um, in some way, shape or form. Oh my gosh. I love it. You're so lovely. Like, I just want to take all of your time, but I know that's not fair. So (laughs) (laughs) like, I know you have like a life and a child and a practice and three programs and a podcast. I really want to thank you for your generosity and spirit for taking the time for being open to also me, you know, interviewing in the style that I do. I love it. Thank you. On the podcast. This is great. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. Please share with us your favorite takeaway from this episode or takeaways. And we always appreciate a post on the, I was going to say Facebook. We're also on Facebook, but on Instagram, we are at Dance Speak Podcast. Tag us, share. My own um, handle is gogalit at G-O-G-A-L-I-T. And yeah, let's finish out this year strong. I, I don't want this year to be a throwaway. I mean, for everything that's happened, I always feel like, Okay, let me get on my soapbox. I always feel like the toughest times teach us the most. And I've been seeing a lot around like cancel 2020. And I I laugh, I giggle at it. And I'm like, yeah, this year has sucked. But then on the other hand, I think it would be a travesty not to like really hone in on the lessons and be that much stronger from it if possible. I know that everyone has varying degrees of, of loss in this time, but If you can, like, you know, let's be kind to ourselves, to others, and then learn from it. I know I'm coming out of this year stronger, you know? So be sure to (laughs) subscribe, rate, review, share with us your takeaways, and uh, don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on yourself. You're amazing. Sometimes, I not sometimes, I always believe our breakdowns are opportunity for a breakthrough. So even this episode, it's about... You know, we're talking about physical therapy and body care. Those injuries sometimes teach us the most. Even with Marissa, if she hadn't gone through the injury the way she did, she maybe wouldn't have gone through the trajectory of becoming a physical therapist, which she loves doing. Like, you never know what's on the other side, right? So that's all. I just really loved, you know, (laughs) sharing with y'all. I really do. Peace. Oh, yeah, yeah. P.S. P.S. 
In addition, I don't want to take away at all detract from the program which Marissa has, but also I have my ongoing virtual training programs. It's very different and it's something that you could do before or after the Dance Ready Project programming. Very inexpensive. If you're interested in it, you can just shoot me a DM at gogalit, G-O-G-A-L-I-T. I'm showing and sharing about my programs on my Instagram, or you can always email dancespeakpodcast at gmail.com, put fitness in the title, and I can put you on the mailing list for my upcoming fitness programs, which I don't spam because I'm not capable of it because I don't have enough time to spam. You'll get one, maybe two emails per program that I have. All right. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to our Dance Speak podcast. For inquiries, suggestions, comments on your favorite guests, or who you'd like to see on the show, please email us at dancespeakpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-A-N-C-E-S-P-E-A-K-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. And check back in next week for our latest interview. Thank you so much. 